Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. The title of my message this morning is called, and I want uh, Siobhan to put it up on the board, Self-Denial, the Cornerstone of Our Spiritual Formation. Self-Denial, the Cornerstone of Our Spiritual Formation. This is probably one of the most important teachings or messages that I have given in the course of over 38 years of being in the ministry. And probably this is one of the foundational messages when it comes to discipleship and following the Lord Jesus Christ. So I am excited to minister this word to you this morning, and I pray that you will be challenged, encouraged, and blessed. Amen? Amen. The foundational scripture is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. And these are the words of our Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Excuse me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, these very words of our Lord Jesus laid the foundation of true discipleship and spiritual formation. There can be no spiritual growth or development when it comes to the things of the Spirit without self-denial. Any believer, regardless of how old you have been in the Lord, whether you are a young believer or an old believer, endeavoring to bypass this foundational principle, you're just playing church. No more than that. Amen. Amen. A pastor friend of mine recently asked us a challenging question in one of his messages that I have asked him to minister to our Greek fellowship online. We have a Greek fellowship online that meets every two weeks, and we have Greek believers from Cyprus, from Greece, from South Africa and Zimbabwe and the United States. And so, um, this pastor friend of mine, we have known each other for over 30 years, and I have invited him on the platform to minister to us 
in our mother tongue. And um, <clears throat> he asked a question, a very challenging question. And this is the question he asked. How far are you willing to go with God? How far are you willing to go with God? If you were asked that same question, what would your answer be? Think about that for a moment. Someone asks you, how far, how deep do you want to go in your relationship with God? Well, my thoughts and meditation around that very question led me to the following conclusion. Now listen carefully. How far I want to go with God depends on the cost I'm willing to pay and the sacrifices I am willing to make. And that applies with you as well. How far you want to go with God will depend on the cost you are willing to pay and the sacrifices you are willing to make for Jesus' sake. Amen? Well, what do I mean by that? You see, the further we go with God, the greater our cost would be to ourselves. The further we go with God, the greater the cost would be to ourselves. According to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 24, he said, we cannot serve two masters. You ever read that in your own Bible? We will either say, he said, hate the one and love the other, or else we will be loyal to the one and despise the other. We will either serve God with all of our hearts or the alternative. And there's no other alternative. We will serve ourselves by pursuing our own dreams, our own plans, and our own way of living and doing things. You remember the song that Frank Sinatra got famous over it? I did it my way, all the way. Well, we will either do it God's way or we will end up doing it our own way, living our own life, pursuing our own dreams, our own ambitions and plans. You see, many years ago, in a time of severe crisis in my walk with God, God spoke to my heart very loud and very clear, and he pointed me to the cross. When I received the revelation of self-denial through the power of the cross, I drew in the empty pages of my Bible a cross, and beneath it I wrote these words. I cannot serve God and self at the same time. Self must die. And I've been dying ever since. Haven't reached full death yet. 
because at times that old Andrea keeps cropping up. I don't know if it's the same with you or if I'm the only one. Hello. Every step of obedience we take towards God and His purposes, there is an appropriate cost to ourselves, folks. And the sooner we realize that, the easier our walk with Christ would become. Therefore, self-denial becomes the cornerstone upon which we build our relationship with Christ. Jesus made it clear, very clear, right at the offset of his ministry, that without self-denial, no one can follow him and become his disciple. And I think this message ought to be proclaimed from the rooftops, from every pulpit, because we have churches full of people that are endeavoring to bypass the cross. Hello? We hear messages that makes us often feel good, but how often do you hear messages concerning the cross of Christ, taking up your cross, following Jesus, being able and willing to sacrifice and pay a price? We often speak about the blessings, and thank God that the Lord has blessed us, but there is a cost involved in following Christ. There is a price that every single one of us will pay for following Christ and being obedient to His commandments. Are you still out there? Amen. So, the greater and the broader our self-denial is, the further we will go with God. Christ's conditions for discipleship, they are very clear. It leaves no room for doubt. Not only are we called to deny ourselves, but also be willing to deny close family members and even relatives and members of our own family if need arises in following Christ and being obedient to Him. Jesus said so. Let's take another look, a closer look at his words that he gave to all those who followed him. Massive crowds followed Jesus all the time. And every time crowds came close to him, he, with his words, dispersed the crowds. Jesus was not looking for crowds. He was looking for willing and obedient vessels. He was looking for people who were willing to deny themselves and take up the cross and follow him daily. He was not impressed by crowds. Amen? So we see here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning with verse 25, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says the following, As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and he said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. It will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you will pay to be considered one of my followers. 
Anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. So, don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. Salt is good for seasoning. But if the salt were to lose its flavor, how could it ever be restored? It will never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourselves. His words are very clear. Amen? We conclude, therefore, based on the words of our Lord Jesus, that self-denial and the death of our own way of life, as we know, become the very things which maintain our saltiness in this world. And at the same time, cause our light to shine brighter in this darkened world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And how do we maintain our saltiness? Through self-denial, taking up our cross, and following Jesus daily. Let me say this. If you want to become a fruitful disciple, how many of you want to be fruitful in the kingdom of God? I trust all of us want to be fruitful. Amen? And that's, that, I believe, is the desire of every genuine believer who's been born again by the Spirit of God. We want to please our Heavenly Father. And we want to be productive in the kingdom of God. We want to bear much fruit to the glory of God, don't we? Well, I'm going to show you the pathway. Not me, the Lord Jesus himself. The disciples' fruitfulness is dependent exclusively upon his own death. John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, these are the words of Jesus. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and does what? Does what? Does what? Does what? Dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. There it is. Do you want to be fruitful? Think about that. <laughs> Do you want to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God? Then you must be willing to become that grain of wheat that falls into the ground where God has placed you and die to your own self, your own desires, your own opinions, your own ambitions, your own plans, and embrace God's way of life. Amen? Amen. We see here Christ's obedience unto death brought about much fruit, as well as the establishment of God's kingdom on the earth. You see, Jesus had to die. 
He was born to die. Are you listening to me? His death was the very thing that gave us life and even more abundant. If Jesus hadn't died, you and I wouldn't be here today. Our rebirth was the result of Jesus' obedience to the Father, even unto the death of the cross. Jesus was fully obedient. And the same must be our own experience. If we desire to walk with God, there is no other way. And we cannot bypass the cross. Every single one of us is like a grain of wheat. You're a grain of wheat that needs to fall into the ground and die before we can bear fruit in the kingdom of God. And that means you've got to recognize and put to death your own dreams, your own ambitions, your own opinions. Some of us think so highly of our own opinions, we bow to them, and we expect other people to do the same. We think our way is the best. Hello? Well, I take as an example my own life. I don't know about your life, but I can tell you a thing or two about my walk and my life. Before I came to Christ and was born again, I had my own dreams. Just like every single one of you. I had my own expectations. I had my own hopes for the future. And I had my own thoughts how I should live my life and how I should spend my days. But when I heard the call of God that came very clear concerning my life and my future, I had to deny and put to death my own dreams, my own expectations, so that I could follow the Lord where he would lead me. That means I died to my own dreams and my own plans, as well as my own desires and my own pursuits. My life changed drastically. When Christ comes into your heart, there has to be a change. You cannot remain the same in your way of thinking, in your way of speaking, and in your way of doing things. You cannot go on as though nothing happened. If you've received Christ and you were genuine and believed on him, there comes a change in your very nature. Amen? In the death of my dreams, I discovered and embraced God's dream for my life, which was far greater than my own. In denying the right to choose my own path, I found true life in Christ Jesus. Wonderful life. A life that is filled with spiritual adventures, which the Lord had already prepared for me before I was even born. 
Did you know that God has a book about your life? He dreams about your future. He has plans that are good and are filled with His presence, filled with adventure, filled with fulfillment for every single one of us. And if you haven't discovered that dream for your life, then you haven't lived, my brother, my sister. You're just experimenting life. And I encourage you to seek God with all of your heart until you discover those plans that God has for your life. It's never too late. Are you listening to me? Now, these spiritual adventures of faith and obedience to the will of God brought much fruit in the kingdom of God concerning my own surrender to the Lord. Many came to repentance and faith through the ministry the Lord Jesus commissioned me to. And many more are built up and strengthened and encouraged in the walk with God through the ministry of the Word that this ministry provides on an ongoing basis. And some of you are the fruit or the result of this ministry's encouragement. Amen? Well, but the most fruitful work that this ministry has produced through my own death are the spiritual sons and daughters that the Lord has blessed this ministry with. That is the great fruitfulness. You see, as Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, it remains what? Alone. And every single one of us is called to reproduce after our kind. Amen? Not just physically, naturally, but spiritually. Hello? You are to reproduce after your kind. Are you listening to me? Or else you will remain a single grain of wheat because you refuse to obey the Lord where He leads you. Because you insist on doing things your own way. There is no fruitfulness in that kind of life. Are you, are you listening to me? This is serious discipleship, folks. The relationships that are birthed and strengthened and established through the word this ministry delivers for me is the greatest treasure that the Lord has blessed me with. Not riches, but people. Relationships. Not ministry, not titles, but relationships. Many years ago when I first took my first steps into the ministry and didn't know what awaited me, it was a step of faith. In fact, a gigantic step of faith. The Lord gave me a promise. And the promise he gave me was from Isaiah 45, verse 2 and 3. He promised me with these words. He said, I will go before you 
and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And when I asked the Lord what those treasures hidden in darkness are, he said, they are the souls of men and women. That's the fruit. Souls of men and women that heard the gospel, repented, and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. As I mentioned earlier, that every step of obedience we take, the same goes for you and for you and for every single one of us. There is an appropriate cost to ourselves. I'll give you another example from my own journey of faith. I like to sometimes reminisce and go back and, and think the journey the Lord had taken me through the experiences I have learned through the lessons, through the years, and see the goodness of God and the blessing of God evident wherever I look. When my father heard that I was born again, my wife can bear witness to that, he sent me an ultimatum. He said, renounce this newfound religion you found and return to orthodoxy, or I will renounce you from being my son. And I was just, it was just before my 24th birthday. It was a tough and painful decision I was confronted with. How do you answer an ultimatum like that to your dad? What do you say to him? Trying to explain, it would do no good. But the words of Jesus were very clear in my mind and in my heart. Jesus said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, and it will seem as though you hate your own life. So the Lord is very clear here. When you are called upon to obey God, the words are very clear. So, I wrote back to my dad. We didn't have modern technology today, SMSs and text messages, so I sat down and wrote him a letter, and my letter was very precise. I cannot and will not deny the Lord Jesus, even though I love and respect you as my own father. In this matter, I cannot do as you asked me to, because in Christ I have found forgiveness. I have found peace that I did not have. I have found salvation, and I will never, ever deny my Lord Jesus. Well, several years have passed, and both my parents visited us in Zimbabwe and spent a few days with us. The relationship was restored. What would have happened if I chose to obey my dad and deny the Lord? Would I be here today? 
I doubt it. And many of you are called to make decisions, maybe not as serious as that, but every day you are confronted with decisions, small or big. Every month you are, com- you, you, you are confronted whether you're going to pay your full tithe or you're going to pretend you're paying the tithe. Are you listening to me? What are you going to do? Hello? We make decisions every day. And either we please God and we obey His Word, or we please ourselves. And we displease the Lord. What do you do when you're being accused? Falsely accused. You have a decision to make. Retaliate or keep your mouth shut and pray for the person. I was watching an interview yesterday on TV where the announcer was interviewing a pastor who was caught on video praying that God would kill every single one of those policemen who came and harassed them in church. What kind of pastors are these? Jesus said, love your enemies. And these are the kind of people that give us such a bad name as Christians. You don't pray that God would send fire and kill those that persecute you. Jesus said, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Love your enemies. Not pray that God would kill them. I got so upset listening to this so-called pastor. And you know what I said to my wife? I don't understand how this kind of people attract thousands of people to the churches. How do they attract thousands of people when they behave like that? Do you have an answer? You're so quiet. How do they attract thousands of people to the gatherings? Perhaps a soft gospel on sin. Amen? Amen. Praise God forevermore. True disciples of the Lord, folk, continue to walk every single day of their lives in self-denial. And you know what? They even walk in the shadow of their own death. The psalmist said it so beautifully in Psalm 23. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Out of death, to our own selfishness, to our own pride, we find true life filled with the presence of the Lord by which we become such a blessing to our fellow man. The process of death is carried out through our obedience to the Lord. Steps of obedience, small and great. And Jesus conquered death through his obedience to his Father, even in that obedience 
led him to the death of the cross. When Jesus said to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know what he did? He sealed his own death. And your own and mine. Amen. Amen. Our steps of obedience, day by day, leads us to our own death. And through our death, Christ is able to live his life through us. The Apostle Paul describes this process so beautifully in his epistle to the Corinthians. And I want you to study this verse of Scripture in your own time. This is the path to fruitfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 through to 12. Memorize this verse of Scripture. Meditate on it regularly. Listen to what Paul says. The great apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. Always, underline that word, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. Take a closer look at what Paul said. For we who live, what do we do? Always are delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What happens is our life in exchange for Christ's resurrected life. Isn't that a good deal? Huh? Isn't that a good exchange? We pray, Lord, more of you and less of me. We should pray, Lord, all of you and none of me. Amen? Amen. We are the carriers. This human body, this physical body, is the temple of the Lord. And we carry within us the resurrected life of Christ wherever we go. But for that life to find expression, to find release, we need to die to our own selves. Amen? Otherwise, it's you who is alive. And not Christ living in you. And how do we do that? By constantly yielding ourselves. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Not my opinion, but yours is what counts. Lord, have your way. And this is a, a good way to practice that is in marriage. Good, solid marriages understand what I'm talking about. They yield to one another. Amen? They don't insist on their own way. If all 
married couples did that, there would be no divorces today. Hello? At least within the house of God. Amen? It's not important that my opinion prevails. Now, the Apostle Paul says the same thing in his epistle to the Roman believers. Again, he says the same thing, but in different words. Look at Romans 8, verse 36. Paul says, For your sake, speaking to the Lord, we are killed all day long. For we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He's talking about disciples' lives. We are killed all day long. We yield, we bow, we die so that you may live through us. The resurrected life of Christ cannot and will not manifest His life in our mortal body if we are unwilling to take up the cross and die to self. So I go over this again and again. We need to digest this principle because it's foundational. Today we have believers, multitude of believers, they have their heads full of knowledge, but their hearts are empty of life. Amen? We know a lot about the Bible, but our hearts are still yielding not to Christ but to self. You see, the cross is a symbol of death. When you saw someone years ago carrying his cross, you understood what was going on. Amen? It's a symbol of death. For the disciple of Christ, though, the cross is a symbol and an instrument of freedom from the tyranny of self. We are delivered from the tyranny of selfishness. Are you listening to me? We are delivered from the passions and the desires of our sinful flesh. It's the way of escape. It brings us into the liberty of Christ Jesus. Paul said, those who are Christ's, how many of us are Christ's? have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see that? One Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen, Paul says, For the message of the cross, listen, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? It is the power of God. What is the power of God? The message of the cross. The message that I'm preaching to you today is the power of God unto salvation. It will set you free from sin. It will set you free from your passions and lusts of the flesh, of the old man. Because it goes to the root of the sin nature and it blows the, and, it, and, and it delivers the final blow. 
You see, the blood of Jesus deals with our sins, plural. But the cross of Christ deals with the sin nature. For he that is dead has ceased from sin. Are you listening? So you can't just accept the blood forgiveness. You must accept the cross too. Unless you receive and embrace the cross, you will continue sinning and yielding to the flesh. Are you with me? Paul goes on to say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. How? Through the message of the cross. Amen. As I said, the message of the cross is the power of God which has delivered the ultimate blow of death to the selfishness of mankind. That's God's solution for all mankind, is the cross. You see, Jesus didn't come to patch up the old man. He came to kill him altogether. Remember what Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5? No one can put new wine into what? Old wineskins. It's futile endeavoring to put new wine of the kingdom into old wineskins. That's why the message of the cross is so vitally important. Because the cross will create the new wineskin so that you can put the new wine of the kingdom into the new wineskin. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, No one puts a piece of a new cloth onto an old garment. These are metaphors. Jesus didn't come to make you a better person. He came to crucify you altogether, bury you, done and dusted with. And in that place of death, we make room for a new man to be reborn in the, like and in the likeness and in the image of him who created him. That's why the Bible says none is good. None of us is good. That's why Jesus introduced the cross. I trust you're getting what, what I'm delivering to you today. He didn't come to make us better old people. He came to put us to death. So that in that place of death, room is made for a new man. For he who is born again has become a what? A new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. That's in your nature. It's gone. It's done. You're dead. That's why Paul says in Romans, reckon yourselves unto death. You died. I died. When? When Jesus went to the cross, he took us there with him and nailed us to that tree so that a new man could be, rise again and be born again in the likeness of God. Amen. Praise God forevermore. 
That's why we must also experience and go through our own Gethsemane, where our own will learns to bend and to bow to the will of God, not just once, but every single day. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.12, and I'm, I'm closing here because I want to finish this part next Sunday because I am also ministering next Sunday. The increase of God's presence in our life becomes a living experience through the death of our mortal flesh. And this kind of exercise becomes impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And one of the main reasons the Holy Spirit was given to us was to strengthen and empower the new man on the inside, the hidden man of the heart. The Spirit came to live in our spirits, the Holy Spirit. For what purpose? To strengthen and empower the inner man to be able to subdue the outward man. Amen? Romans 8 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And we hear Paul once again saying these words in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, he says. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Listen to what he says. I keep my body under. Who's the I he's talking about? The inward man. The man of the spirit. That's the real you. The hidden man of the heart. I keep my body under. I subdue it. I muzzle it lest that when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen? And all of us need to go through that same exercise, whether you're a preacher or whether you are whatever you are. You have the same sinful flesh that all of us have, and we have to keep it under. Amen? To keep under means to subdue, to crucify, or to deny. And this is an ongoing daily exercise. Hello? Are you listening to me? But if the inward man is weak and frail, then the body and the soul will team up and put your spirit in captivity. So next week, what we're going to do we're going to look at what God has given us in order to strengthen, to fortify, and empower the inner man so that he can subdue the outward man. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So denying ourselves, taking up the cross, sin will no longer have dominion over us. We are free from it. Amen? Therefore, by denying, subduing, and crucifying the flesh with its passions, we become sanctified vessels, the Bible says, destined to honor God 
and are prepared for every good work. Let's stand together and pray. I want you to pray this prayer with me if you mean it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the message of the cross. For it is the power of God to set me free and to deliver me from a sinful lifestyle. On this day, dear Lord, I embrace, I receive the cross, what it means, what it carries. I embrace the revelation of the cross and I take it up and I follow you. Enable me, help me, and take me, please, deeper and deeper into the death of Christ. Lord, this is my prayer. All of you and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.